like a fetish club for your ears. Grab a hot drink and turn down the lights. Coming across the airwaves and into bedrooms everywhere, BDSM United is bringing you non-violent, consensual kink education. This isn't for the kiddos or for the cookie-cutter conservative vanilla prudes. We'll be talking bondage, discipline, dominance, submission, sadomasochism, and more today on this BDSM United podcast. I am Primal Piggy. Thank you for joining me for another BDSM United podcast. Master John Wheel's Leatherman's Protocol Handbook has been a controversial work, to say the least. Many of his peers claim that the book is askew. Some even claim that some of the things Master John states as facts are actually a fabrication. Now, we have the book in our library, and we have a lot of other books Uh, talking about that same old guard history. Along with most of the books that discussed that old guard era, uh, we simply don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. So let's look at parts of the Leatherman's Protocol Handbook to help us piece together an image of the puzzle that we consider old guard history. The U.S. Army's oldest infantry regiment, the Old Guard, was created on June 3, 1784, as a result of the 1783 Peace of Paris. The 3rd U.S. Infantry, traditionally known as the Old Guard, is the oldest active-duty infantry unit in the Army, serving our nation since 1784. The unit received its unique name from General General Winfield Scott during a victory parade in Mexico City in 1847, following its valorous performance in the Mexican War. The term Old Guard was also used by Napoleon as a means of distinguishing the veterans who had served under him from, uh, from those that were supporting the new government of 1814. Napoleon graced these veterans with this Old Guard nickname as the highest praise possible for their devotion and loyalty to his cause and to France. The Old Guard motorcycle troops of the Army after World War II uh, were where the history of leather has been documented. As the men came out of the war, the Army awarded them their motorcycles. It was the combination of these wild men renegades wearing leather on their motorcycles with the BDSM, SM, rough sex that men merged the two names in the late 40s and 50s so that the term Old Guard became attached to that, those leathermen of BDSM who rode motorcycles. First came the biker bars where motorcycle men would hang out. Next came the renegade bars where men wore basic leather but didn't have motorcycles yet enjoyed rough, wild S&M sex. From those types of bars came the offspring known as leather bars. Leather bars had started to exist since the early 1950s. These men missed the camaraderie they had when they were in the military, as well as the strict way of life. I know being a veteran myself, it's really is ingrained in you 
and really kind of sticks with you for, for a lifetime. I've been out of the military for 20 plus years, and I still remember uh, things such as pay attention to details and, uh, and other things that I learned in the military. So I definitely can understand uh, missing that uh, or how that part of your, that strict part of your life kind of just carries on into how you do everyday things. Uh, so they formed clubs, and out of these clubs grew what the old guard leather culture that incorporated rigid order and rules, with a new member being apprenticed to a more experienced member. Uh, their sex lives, lives were classified taboo and freaky, and as leathermen were looked at as being dangerous or rebels, renegades, in fact, if you were found to be in possession of anything denoting BDSM by police in that era, you stood a chance of being put in jail. This was why secrecy was critical. To enter the lifestyle, you had to be networked into a club. You were then probably screened heavily by various members of the club prior to being exposed to the club. If, if there were... Uh, it was there that you were first introduced to play parties and what they called motorcycle runs. Uh, play parties were private and held in private places where no one would find out about them and not on a regular basis so they'd never be found out. It was done by word of mouth with no written invitations. It was all about torture for sexual pleasure and a life of service to their style of living. What they did wasn't thought of as kinky, but in that era was thought of as perverted and not normal by society standards. Many lived in serious fear of being found out. In those early days of what we now today call old guard was a way of life based upon trust and community where they all would put their trust in one another, in their clubs, and local community to protect each other. It was a tight-knit community, and you were accepted only by being brought in by somebody who knew you. It was invitation only. To be brought into the group, you were drilled in front of the fellow men of the group, much like a tight-knit fraternity. This was the way things were because of this, groups and clubs sometimes became very exclusive rather than inclusive meaning that people in the various scenes and clubs understood their own rules, their own traditions, and they knew that privacy was needed. Trust needed to be instilled and earned. They, they tried to keep outsiders out. An outsider was defined as a gay man, butch or not, who didn't have a primary interest in experiencing the erotic S&M sexualities involved along with the B&D protocols. They had to at least have an interest probably in motorcycles at that time. That exclusion attitude they possessed was reinforced by the guilt about being kinky and liking it that way. Back then, kinky people were not openly considered part of the gay community. They were even outcasts, even to their very own, in fear of jail, fear of outing yourself, and the entire lifestyle was at stake for each and every one. I'm Primal Piggy. Thank you for joining me today for this first part in what we're, where we are 
piecing together old guard history using a very controversial resource. We're, we're just going to pick out some of the parts that are probably a little less controversial of this Leatherman's Protocol Handbook. And uh, like I said, it's a controversial work. We understand that. We don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater, though. There are some good things in this book. And sure, we have some other resources, too. And uh, we have many books, um, including M.T. Uh, A's uh, Our Lives, Our History, uh, which is a really good book and uh, uh, tells a, a much broader picture of history, too. But we definitely wanted to give this book um, a little bit of our airtime because, like I said, most people are just totally disregarding it just because there are some things that may be fabricated or maybe this person's own personal um, way that, that he saw the scene because there wasn't universal, uh, there wasn't anything really universal back then. There, you know, each club in each area, in each region, in each local community, each local BDSM community had, you know, some things that were different among them. But as a consensus, we can, um, you know, take some of these pieces and add them with other things that we know about that time and help put together a better picture of what this, what we call old guard traditional BDSM was. Uh, you can find all of our resources at www.bdsmunited.com. It was a pleasure speaking with you today, and I'll talk with you again soon.